Welcome to MSP After Hours. Today we're going to do something a little different. Cyber liability insurance is such a critical part of what we as an MSP do. I just see so many of other MSPs that don't really know where to start, don't know how to use it, don't know much about it. So what I thought I would do today is to show the presentation that I created for business owners, business leaders, and for other IT staff to get a little bit better understanding of where we are with cyber liability today. It's, it's evolved quite a bit. I also utilize some resources that we have in the, uh, in the cyber insurance space to make sure that everything that I was providing was actually accurate, uh, at least uh, currently. Uh, it will be changing every single day, but uh, this should give you the ability to I don't care. You can duplicate what I've done or you can change it. But if you don't know where to start, this is a great place to start. So for those who are listening on a podcast app, obviously you're not going to be able to see this unless you're using Spotify. Otherwise, if you want to see this presentation, if you want to see the slides that I'm using, feel free to jump over to YouTube. You can find me MSP After Hours and you'll be able to see this. So I'm going to go ahead and add this presentation. So when we talk to business leaders, owners, IT staff, we assume they don't really know a lot about cyber liability insurance. Um, many get some sort of rider on top of the policy they already have. It may be really small, but I go through this presentation really to help them get somewhat of a fundamental understanding. And then from there, we can have sidebar conversations to get deeper into it. But I kind of wanted to explain exactly what we do. So when we first start talking about cyber liability insurance with either prospects or even clients, uh, anyone who is in these lunch and learns that we, we teach this to, we talk heavily about how, how cyber liability insurance has significantly increased over the years. And so I, I like to show this trend. Now, what's important to show about this trend is the fact that cyber liability insurance policies have absolutely increased in cost. Now, while some people are claiming or stating that prices are slacking and starting to drop a bit, it's still so far above the original line that it's still elevated. So it's still expensive. And we still see, I just received a proposal the other day from one of our clients. They had about a 25% increase, uh, had no, uh, nothing against that insurance. Uh, there was you know, no breaches or anything like that. Nothing changed. It was just a 25% increase. And so, while we do see a trend, as this presentation will show, while we do see a trend over the last, I don't know, year or so, things are starting to drop a little bit. They're still way above where they used to be. I then talk about this one particular slide. If you've never seen this picture before, this is actually, it's kind of a funny picture. It looks like this rock is somehow standing it's up in the air there's trees around it or whatever but the idea that i provide in this situation is that i want people to see things quite a bit differently so i always start from a mental perspective from a mindset perspective and i say what do you see what's wrong with this what is there anything wrong with this like what's going on and people just look at it generally who, who haven't seen it they look at it and they don't really know what to think about it. Mm. So then when I flip that around, I say, look, it's just a perspective. It's actually a rock. 
that's sitting in water, but it's been turned around. So the water reflection makes it look like the trees are going up like they should, but really you're just seeing that reflection. And I want to start with that type of perspective and that type of mindset shift to say, look, let's look at things a little bit different. And when we talk about cyber liability insurance, let's talk about really how critical it is to your organization. The next thing that I talk about is when we start looking at coverages, it's really important to pay attention to those coverages in which are going to be reduced because there's such a big risk. So the one way that cyber liability insurance companies can keep their premiums down is they just reduce the risk in places where there's a lot of risk. So in a situation like this particular policy. What you see is this typical million dollar policy and to the business owner, to the IT director, what they hear is this is a million dollar policy. But what they sometimes miss is the fact that some of these other things like social engineering fraud or wire transfer fraud, they're greatly reduced down to 10%. So instead of it being a million dollar policy, it's actually a hundred thousand dollar policy. And that's really, really, really important for businesses to understand. So as an MSP, it's really important for you to grab the policies, the renewal process, grab all of that and bring that in and have a meeting and have a conversation about it with that business owner or whoever that subject or whoever that decision maker is and letting them know, here's what you're seeing. I'm seeing that this is a million dollar policy. I'm seeing this is a $2 million policy, but what I am also seeing is that the big threats, social engineering, wire transfer, telecommunication fraud, uh, you know, ransomware, if it's separated out, those you will find to, to reduce the, the, the premium and to make it more consumable by the business, they'll just cut those risks out and that thus lowers the, the premiums. So it's really important to make sure that they're aware business leaders are aware or the decision makers are aware that a million dollar policy isn't necessarily a million dollar policy. So I then talk about this overview and where do we see things going up and where do we see things going down? So from a perspective of the green, there's only one. And that is that the, pr the premiums are slowing. They're not coming back down to where they used to be but the, the increases are slowing. They're not double, they're not 50%, they're 25, 10%, something along those lines. And some policies, depending upon your risk, uh, uh, your risk score of, with your organization, it may be a lot more than that. But generally speaking, what we're seeing is those, uh, those premiums are, are starting to slow. However, what we're also seeing is retention amounts going up. And if you're not familiar with retention, that's basically like your deductible. So if there's an event, it may have been a you know a thousand dollar retention or it may have been a twenty five hundred and now you're seeing, hey, the premiums have dropped, but what we have also seen is the retention rates have gone up. So maybe you're paying five thousand dollars for retention. We're also seeing a, a continuous decrease in in coverages. So the areas, so insurance companies, when they start to see, hits in certain areas, they start to make adjustments. They don't, they're not in the business to lose money. Like any business is in the business to lose money. So when they start seeing certain areas hit heavily, they just start to decrease the coverage. And so in that scope, in that same view, what you're seeing is these premiums are slowing, but what you're seeing is the retentions are increasing. So the cost is getting more, the coverages are getting less and the requirements for technology in advance are getting more and more insane. Um, and I say that only because there was a point 
four, five, six years ago where no one cared about anything. You, you didn't, if you wanted a cyber liability policy, you just got it. If, um, you know, if you needed a, you know, a million dollar policy, they may not even ask you if you have MFA. Now, technology requirements are getting more and more and we're seeing like Tokyo Marine and uh, there's another, no, there's a number of them, travelers, they're in the, you know, six, eight, 10, 12 page applications from a cyber liability uh, application perspective. And so they're asking you, do you have this? Do you have that? Mm. So it, the, the whole picture is much broader than someone saying insurance is, is not as high as it used to be. That's because truly, I guess, uh, at its peak, it may not be as high as it has been, but it's still tremendously higher than it's ever been. Not only that, the retention is up, the coverages are down, and the expectations are up as well. And this is probably one of the most common things we hear. We don't, I, I don't need security solutions because I have cyber insurance that protects me. And this is not a place that we want businesses to be okay in. It makes sense from the business owners. If you, if you think about their perspective and like, wait a minute, I mean, I got a, I have a million dollar policy. Why do I need all these extra things? And honestly, what we're also seeing is, is when the renewals come around, they're not adjusting and asking for the application to be completed again. The people are getting grandfathered in. Uh, we are seeing some carriers do that, but the majority of carriers aren't asking a single question. They're just renewing, allowing the company to renew, taking whatever premium increase there is and going about their business. Although sometimes there's decreases in coverage continuously and stuff of that nature. But cyber insurance is not a standalone plan. And the most important part to think about it, that is when you get from a situation where you are not covered to, uh, to I'm sorry, when you are covered to being not covered, the key component to that mentality is the fact that you become self-insured. Every situation, every issue, everything comes out of your pocket. So the reason that we want cyber liability insurance in the first place is to protect our own organization from the capital expenses, operational expenses that we have to that we have to burn in the in the event that we have some sort of breach or compromise. Cyber liability insurance will allow us to help that. Also, what a, what an MSP needs to know is a lot of these insurance requirements uh, are helping to empower the business to become smarter, safer, more secure. And so it's it's a it's it's going both ways. Cyber liability insurance has now turned into what healthcare used to be back in the old days. You know, they didn't ask you if you smoke or if you drink heavy or anything like that. Now, health insurance wants to know what your risks are, and then they're going to adjust your uh, your your health insurance based upon that. And if you're not very healthy. Well, you may not get covered and you, or you may have really high uh, premiums to get very little insurance. And so we're seeing cyber liability insurance is falling right in line with that. So it's really important to make sure that we have good cyber hygiene, that we take care of the business uh, that allows us to do other things like have cheaper cyber insurance that has more coverage with less retention so forth. So the core here, what I talk about is that it's not a standalone plan. Cyber liability insurance is it's, it's bigger than that. But the one big avoidance is that you do not become self-insured. And that's critically important because if you do have a big event, a lot of money can be coming out of your pocket that you may, as a business owner, uh, you may not have. And so don't stick your head in the sand. That's what I 
I, I think about this almost every time I hear someone say they don't care about cyber liability insurance. They just are not paying attention. So it's important to bring that to the service and make people aware. So when people talk about the cyber insurance protects me, I say, well, any quality product uh, that's a policy, I'm sorry, any quality policy uh, will have a minimum tech requirements. If you see an insurance policy as an MSP, if you see a client's insurance policy and it doesn't have a lot of requirements, dig in. There's probably a reason for that. One, uh, it actually may be that that insurance company hasn't been hit very hard. And so they don't have a lot of lessons learned to just keep on keeping on. The other thing is, if they don't have a lot of tech requirements, it's likely they don't have a lot of coverage. I mean, you're going to get more tech requirements for a million dollar policy than a $250,000 policy. Mm. So expect that and judge that policy and dig into it even further when there aren't any or very few tech requirements. And again, we talk about this non-covered payment. Like, don't be, don't allow your clients to become self-insured. It's it's risky. It's so expensive. You know, they say uh, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And I hope that is actually not the case. I hope there are, you know, as we continue to grow in our security mindset, I hope that more and more businesses get less and less compromises and breaches. But where we are now, that's we're just not there yet. So let's really remind our business leaders and our business owners that the the big thing here is the avoidance of self-insured because it's so expensive. One of the parts to the oftentimes to the cyber liability process is the application. And what we really need to understand is, is that, as I say here, it's critical to process the application appropriately. Uh, I have communicated with, with many attorneys. There is a subset of people out there in the MSP space that say you can't you cannot complete an application on your client's behalf, but every attorney that I've ever worked with in the cyberspace says you should because they wouldn't know how to fill it out. You do. So you fill out the very specifics of which uh, they have and that you can document it by validation of some sort of, uh, whether it's a report or something that would be able to show proof that that's actually happening. But it also gives the the business owner the ability to have the best possible insurance because that application is filled out correctly and for many of you all know about travelers where they actually were able to null and void a contract for insurance when one of the expectations and i think travelers has a two-page mfa it's just from mfa alone there's other things they ask but that mfa attestation is two pages by itself and it basically says you're going to put mfa on everything a company didn't they were breached travelers took them to court travelers won and they'd never they did not have to pay out for that policy it was null and void here's something that people won't tell you that application that you fill out is a one-time application it is a one-shot application so if you have for example let's say the tokyo marine policy in front of you when you have that policy and those questions that are being asked, if you can't complete them at the time that you're filling it out, you have to say no to each one of those questions that you can't do. This is not one of those situations where you can, you know, you can 
fill in the blanks wherever you want, send it in, see what the response is, get it back and then do it differently. You, you get, you have one shot. The underwriters that I know personally have said they will never adjust the rate because past the first rate that they provide, they will never drop it because you chose to change your mind. They see adjustments in the application as being a little bit more fraudulent and they don't like it. And so they're not going to give you any benefit uh, as to a decrease in your premiums just because the questionnaire was adjusted. So you only get one shot. App questions are actually created very intentionally. It's important for your IT team to, to for your business leaders, for their IT teams, or for you as the MSP to complete that on their behalf, to help them understand where they have gaps and where they don't. And it's important to say, look, if you think that these questions are just questions, you're wrong. They're not. They're very specific and they have a value associated with them. There is an association to risk with every single one of these questions. And depending upon how you answer them, creates a risk reputational score of sorts for you. And that's how they're going to judge you. And that's how they're going to base the, the premiums. And so in certain situations like here, it's how often do you do backups? Well, there's four options. Well, really there aren't four options. There's only one or maybe two that they're willing to accept without a risk reduction or risk increase. The others are really not optional. And if you choose those, they're not going to be as good for you when it comes to decreasing your premiums and getting the best rate. So don't think of this as a questionnaire. Think of this as an expectation. And how you generate revenue as an MSP for this is very, very simple. Your business should be built around cyber reliability applications. It literally should be intentional in that you have a plan that you're going to pull, let's say a half a dozen cyber reliability applications. You're going to put them in front of you and you're going to start ticking these boxes with solutions that you deliver. And if you've got something that's a gap, then you need to find something to fill it. And then you create that as this is must, this is our expectation. This is what we deliver. We're not just, if you're an MSP, that's just doing it tech, they expect that you're doing security for them, whether you think it or not, and whether you have verbally said it or not, they still believe that. So it's really important to set your set your base and your base should be i'm going to ensure that i meet 80 to 90 percent if not more of the cyber reliability applications and then that's part of your selling point so when you go and you have conversations with business owners you say look we do things different we sell by cyber reliability insurance because we know it's the core of protection to help you from being self-insured and so in order to be uh be a client of a carrier of good quality cyber reliability insurance, you have to be able to meet the expectations that they're asking before you get the insurance. So we do that for you. And then if there's any gaps with your particular vendor or for your carrier, then we'll fill those in before you turn that in to ensure that you get the best possible coverage. It's critically important. But MSPs are missing a lot of opportunity, not in risk reduction, not just in risk reduction, but also in revenue because they aren't looking at these high reliability insurance policies to create their, let's call it a stack. If you don't know where to start with MSP stack building, start with cyber reliability insurance and you cannot, cannot go wrong. They are very sensitive to risk. These 
these applications shift sometimes several times a year. They're constantly being pursued as, as to how they can upgrade to validate where risk is and to be able to assure that their clients, the carrier's clients, have appropriate safeguards in place to eliminate as much risk or at least minimize as much risk as possible. And then there's this other thing. In Kentucky, it's KRS 304.47. This is insurance fraud. If you lie to insurance, it's the same if you lie about insurance to <clears throat> for your auto or, or your home. It's actually a, a misdemeanor and can be a class B felony, which can give you 10 to 20 years and up to a million dollars in fines. There's that, you know, that same mentality is, is the False Claims Act and, and, um, and federal government, things of that nature. But states do too. And so it's oftentimes important to recognize the state that you're in. Are there insurance fraud require, regulations or laws that when you go to talk to your business, your, your clients, and you're talking about liability and cyber liability insurance, look, we can't lie. If we lie and say, if you lie and you say you have things you don't have, not only could you lose the policy, you can actually be fined by the state for lying to the insurance company. So it's a much broader, much bigger issue than just, you know, not getting the best rate. Like you can go to prison or you can have a massive fine. So say you were compromised and you lost your insurance because you lied. And then you got a fine on top of that from the state. Like It, it just, it snowballs. <clears throat> I want to make sure that we understand too that tech error and emissions is not the same as cyber liability insurance. And although, although they can be written together, they're completely different. And so very clearly, I put in this presentation to tell people tech ENO addresses liabilities arising from your organization's failures to provide services or products. Cyber liability is uh, it addresses losses to organizations such as random ransom payments, restorations of, of systems, and more. So tech, you know, MSPs, massive. When there is liability arising from the things that we deliver, that's where tech ENO comes in. Tech ENO will not help with cyber liability. It will not help with ransomware. It will help our third, with our third-party type of stuff. So if we get someone ransomware, tech errors and admissions can help us with that. But from a cyber liability insurance perspective, they are completely separate. So in this situation, I show cyber insurance two sections, cyber liability, tech ENO, ransomware payments, social engineering, wire fraud come from cyber liability, and then negligence on your part as the MSP or your breach of the contract that you currently have and for them if there was some sort of breach of that contract, Tech ENO could cover you for that. But they're completely different. So if someone says, hey, I have Tech ENO, we're good, they don't. Now, their insurance provider may have said, you have Tech ENO, and there actually may be some sort of small cyber policy in there, but they, it's just really important to make sure that you understand that they are separate. And then, of course, we've seen this even more here recently uh, with the CISOs being uh, being charged with cyber incidences. This is not updated since then, but I'm not going to read this out. Just know that there is cyber liability. Um, I'm sorry. There are cyber breach liabilities that are associated with C-suites, especially if you are in the VCIO space, which is an incredibly... Um, like it's a big word right now, or it's a big phrase, it's a hot topic, but there's a lot of risk that's associated with it too. So from a, from a VCISO perspective, you can be held responsible 
if something happens within the organization that you're doing that service for. So it's really, really, really important to make sure that your attorney is fully engaged with the services that you're providing and that you have an agreement that keeps you um, as uh, risk averse as possible because there may be a moment where uh, you know, one of your clients is breached and you're the VACISO. And when all this stuff starts to happen, the insurance starts asking questions. They send someone to you as being their VCISO. And the next thing you know, you're on the hook for it. So be cognizant because the liabilities are, are coming downstream. They're not just for the organization. They're coming for people that are responsible, who are negligent. And even if you don't think you're negligent, if they can find that you're negligent because you didn't know something or that you should have known because you're considered the VCISO or because you're the director of IT and you're responsible for that, that could come back to bite you. So we like to show this to business owners so they understand that it's not just a pay and forget it. There could be extensive liabilities, even criminal liabilities from a, uh, as well as civil, but criminal liabilities uh, from a breach perspective because someone did not do what they knew they needed to do. They knew better. Uh, and these are not places that we want our, our clients uh, and business owners. As always, you, we have to expect that policies are going to be written in a way it's almost uh, it's almost like legalese. The written, the policy itself seems so small compared to the exemptions and exemptions is where all the power is. It's where they start to pull everything. It's where they pull acts of war. It used to be a point where uh, when the federal government claimed that a particular event was, a, was an act of war, then it was considered an act of war. Now, the insurance companies can say that. They declare that themselves. If they want to call that a you know a particular breach, an act of war, they can call it an act of war and they cannot cover it because the exemptions. So it's really important to not only review the policy itself, but the limits, sublimits, and then also the exemptions to start to tweak away from each one of those, those sublimits that you have to say, well, you only have a $250,000 ransomware policy, but if it comes from China, Russia, or one of the other countries that may be on the, uh, their no-go list, uh, then that goes to nothing. And so it's really important for you, or even using an attorney to, to review that, it's really important to make sure that you paint the right picture for your, your business leaders, your business owners, so that they can make the best decision possible. The last thing you want is to review a policy and not tell them every risk that's, or at least to the best of your ability, all the risks that are associated with that policy and where the policy may not work. So, you know, for example, when we talked about, uh, different exemptions when we were talking to business leaders at the time, Lloyd will no longer include nation state attacks in its cyber liability policy. So they're basically saying, look, if it's coming from what we consider to be a nation state, we're done. We're not even going to cover it. It's just not even a conversation anymore. You're going to find more and more and more of this. And this goes back to what do we do then? Well, we put more security in place. We put more protections in place and we don't just do the bare minimum, which would be the cyber liability policies, but we do more than that if we can do that. And I understand there's an appetite from a, from a financial perspective, from a capital or an operational perspective, depending upon how it's built. But it's really important to recognize that you're going to pay for it or your clients will pay for it one way or another. They're either going to pay for it proactively by, by doing everything they can to minimize the attempts, minimize the risks as much as possible, or they're going to pay post breach, you know, right of boom. They're going to pay for that. 
And when they do, it's not going to go well. And reputational harm is going to take place. Their business is going to, uh, isn't going to function, you know, and that's one of the things that I like to ask people when we're talking about this stuff and when they don't really value the importance of what I say, well, what happens if tomorrow you come to work and your business is completely shut down? No computers work. What happens? And they just freeze. Most of the time, they just don't really know what to say. They don't have a plan. They don't know what to do. And I say, could your company survive without, you know, maybe six, seven, 10 days worth of um, worth of downtime, because that's a risk. And here's an additional catch that is really important for MSPs to understand, but it's just kind of the way it works. When you have cyber liability get involved with a breach, they're going to bring forensics in, they're going to bring in whatever they need to start to understand what happened and why it happened. And for doing so, you might not be able to get that business up immediately. You might not be able to recover from some backup that you have or something along those lines. You may have to wait until forensics is over. And so a lot of times people don't think about that, but there is a bit of a delay in the potential return to business because they don't want you overriding data that they're going to use forensically to understand what happened and to see if they can essentially blame someone else. So make sure that they understand that as well. And then I, have this little thing that says in this corner we have firewalls encryptions antivirus software and in the other corner we have dave and it's always about the human element it's always 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 it's not enough to have training it's not enough you, you really should build your your msp to expect people to mess up they're human they're busy they're frustrated. They have human, you know, they have home life issues that they bring to work. They have work life issues that they're dealing with. They're going to make mistakes. And so it's your responsibility as MSP to do everything you possibly can to help them, guide them with guardrails and protections so that if they happen to make a mistake, because they will, that risk will be mitigated tremendously, whether it's by you know, um, link rewriting in your emails, whether it's the, just the email security in general, whether it's using application whitelisting, whether it's using whatever it is, whatever solution that you choose uh, to give. But it is your responsibility as an MSP to help them be as safe as possible, knowing they're going to error. Then what I do is I talk about different critical solutions that they can apply, that business can apply. And I tailor this around our managed services because our managed services are tailored around the core of what uh, business, I'm sorry, cyber liability policies ask. So MDR, backup, EDR, and MDR, email security, cyber training. I can even see some of this. So uh, backing up devices, firewalls, whitelisting, SIM products, DLP, data loss protection, um, ensuring that no admin access is, is on the devices for the end users. Um, and things like that is the really patch management, things like that are really, really important. But I highlight these because it's really important for those business leaders. If you're presenting this, it's really important for them to know that there are solutions out there intentionally built for this type of stuff. And it's important for you as you start to conversate about these, the importance of them in their businesses, that they understand that you have a plan. And this kind of helps design that. So. In order to get a better competitive 
rate. This includes your MSP as well. I tell people, don't wait till the renewal letter is being sent out. You need to act. You need to, you know, you need to be attractive to cyber liability insurance policies. You need to have a low risk score. And the only way you're going to do that is to kill the application. It's like killing the ACT. You're, you have a higher likelihood of getting into a, a premier college if you have a high ACT and a, and a high GPA. You've got to be attractive to those. And the same for cyber liability carriers. You've got to show that you're attractive, that you're well taken care of. And if you do that, the premiums or the renewals, uh, I'm sorry, the, the, the new, uh, new business asks. So sometimes there are situations uh, that a particular carrier will no longer cover a particular industry or a particular size of an industry. So sometimes they'll say, look, we're no longer going to cover you. And that is what it is. So you have to go ask for some for policies from someone else, well, that application process, you need to be attractive in that. And then your renewal process, you need to be attractive in that. Number two, engage with all your stakeholders and elaborate on IT security to strengthen your stance with critical solutions discussed previously. So applying the things that we talked about in the presentation, applying those to your organization to make sure that that attractiveness stands at a really high level, and then to ensure that you can check as many of the boxes in the application as possible. Preferably all of them, but you need to do as many as you can. And remember, don't don't check what you may or may not have. Check what you only check what you apply, and then the rest of them are risks. They're higher risk, or maybe you can't. You know, maybe one of the questions about the backup is how quickly can you restore? And maybe it's in six to ten days. Well, they're really looking for like less than three days. So you want to keep it. To the best of any app of any question, you want to keep it to the best answer that's possible for those options. And if you don't have one, then you talk to the business leader and say, look, we need to make this adjustment before we apply this. And then let's stick to this adjustment to ensure that you have the best, best options uh, when it comes to the rates and stuff of that nature. And then I give people a, an area of to have a conversation about it. So from the business owner's perspective, they need to understand that they can't stick their head in the sand, that they're going to become self-insured. They're probably not going to be able to afford that. They're not going to want to afford that. And honestly, cyber liability insurance, while it is expensive, it's not as expensive as it has been. It's more expensive than it has ever been, but it's still not, um, it's still tolerable. Uh, depending upon the size of the business and stuff of that nature, it's just really important. People aren't going to go around without life insurance. They're not going to have, they're not going to drive their car without car insurance. This is just an added thing. And the idea behind it really not only is to push the security requirements because, well, cyber liability insurance generally covers the requirement or has requirements, but it's also about getting the best rate that you can so that you don't have to pay 100% of all of those out of pocket. I hope this was helpful for you. Uh, if you're interested in this presentation, please feel free to reach out. You can leave a message uh, on YouTube or uh, you can reach out to me and I'll be glad to get it to you and help you walk through any part of this as possible. But really, the more that you educate your clients, the more that you're prepared for cyber liability insurance within your organization and to deliver with an expectation that you're meeting cyber liability insurance requirements, you're going to be much more prepared for the future. And then you need to maintain that track. So it's constantly being aware of what's out there, constantly being aware of new risks, uh, 
for example, you know, a more current risk that's been around for a while that's getting uh, a lot more activity these days is man in the middle attacks where people are stealing cookies from Microsoft 365 logins. It's really hard to, co uh, to combat, but there are ways to do it. So constantly pursue new avenues of risk that you can fill a hole. If there's a hole, I want to plug it. I also want to include that in my managed services moving forward because I bet you before too long, it's going to be another question on the application that you're going to already be able to, com to complete with a yes uh, because you include it. So anyway, hope this was useful to you all. Um, if you have any questions, please let me know. Otherwise, uh, good luck teaching your clients about cyber liability insurance and good luck generating more revenue because you standardized your managed service deliverables to cyber liability insurance. Take care.